Welcome to the Movie Planet, everybody. This week we are talking about Behind Enemy Lines from 2001. With Joe! You are a combat naval aviator. Start acting like one, but you pull yourself together. And JC! Create some angles between you and your pursuers. Use your training, use your head. Evade and survive, and we will bring you home. Do you understand? We will bring you home! Welcome to the Movie Planet. And with me is the Chris Burnett to my Serbian Sasha, JC. JC, how are you? Can't I be Chandler to your Joey? No, because you're Joey now. I'm trying to keep these like with the movie that we're doing. Oh no, I get it. I got the joke. And being, uh-huh, that, being that we argue all the time, it makes sense that I, you know, Joey and Chandler argued. The worst argument they ever got into is when what they he built the entertainment center. He built it, or when he had it stolen. Well, both. No, when they had everything stolen because he locked himself in the entertainment center. Yep, that too. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Yes. No, that wasn't the worst one. The worst one was when he slept Chandler with slept with Joey's Joe. girl, and he had to sit in the box the entire time, and all yep. he had the little hole with his finger in it. Yep. Yes. Uh, you get back in the box. You, <laughs> you get to speak. <laughs> it is time to revisit a movie from 2001 <sighs> that uh, came highly requested by our own JC. So we're going to talk about, at recess, Behind Enemy Lines. Unless we're parked in San Diego Bay, you're at war every time you step on this boat. You understand that? We pretend we're in the middle of the fight, but we're not fighting, we're watching. You should be glad you're not in a fight, Lieutenant. You wouldn't last long. In a world where outlaw armies wage a secret war, the Navy's most powerful ship is not free to strike back. You understand how important it is that your pilots don't stray from the agreed fly zone. And no one felt it more than Lieutenant Chris Burnett. Don't you forget what you're doing. Are you kidding me? I'm eating jello. He's wiping his hands. But on a routine reconnaissance mission. Could be a good opportunity to test our shiny new digital camera. He saw something. No one was supposed to see. Eliminate the problem. They found us! Do you have any idea how much damage this incident may cause to the peace process? All I know, Admiral, is that our man is down behind enemy lines. Now what is the problem? I am an American. I am on your side. 20th Century Fox presents... They killed my pilot because we took pictures of the grave and I know where they are. I'm going to get them. I'm not going to let that kid die out there. You will lose your command. So be it. Owen Wilson. Gene Hackman. Gentlemen, I intend to put you in harm's way. Any man who doesn't wish to join this mission, step away right now. Uh, 
enemy lines. This week, we are discussing the 2001 war film, I say that loosely, Behind Enemy Ugh. Lines, directed by John Moore, starring Owen Wilson as Lieutenant Chris Longhorn Burnett, Gene Hackman as Rear Admiral Leslie McMahon Rygert, Gabriel Macht as Lieutenant Jeremy Smoke Stackhouse, and really nobody else you could name, and people would be, oh, him? Yep, exactly. Uh, this movie was made for $40 million. Doubled. And, and made $59 million in North America. Oh, I just saw that it made ninety million. Yeah, it, it made ninety-two million worldwide. So barely made it. You know, nineteen million more in North America, but it was also coming up against <clears throat> a Harry Potter film. It opened the same the second weekend of a Harry Potter film. Oh, well. so you're not going to make a lot of bank then. <clears throat> no. Uh, the film is based loosely on the experiences of United States Air Force Captain Scott O'Grady, who was shot down near the town of Morocco in northern Bosnia <laughs> in June nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> and was stranded in Serb-held territory for six days before being rescued by U.S. Marines. O'Grady brought a lawsuit against 20th Century Fox for damages to his character. He claims he didn't curse as much and never disobeyed order- orders. Which, and I believe as that. As a military person, I believe I that. completely believe that. Owen Wilson admits that he was an unconventional choice for the lead in a movie like this. However, producer John Davis says they wanted to, quote-unquote, take the action hero and turn it on its head. Well, they turned it on something. Not sure it was his head. <laughs> Turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> Owen Wilson was actually sent to military school after being kicked out of high school. That, I believe. <laughs> I, totally, I can see that happening. I totally believe that one. Uh, this movie is set in 1995, but a pilot mentions John Denver's death, which was on 12 October 1997. I was going to say, yeah, uh, that was later. Yeah. And it was also sad because I like Denver. It was a funny joke. Let's not get too hasty, but... At the beginning of the movie, Stackhouse and Burnett are talking, and one of them mentions Britney Spears. She was relatively unknown until 1998. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Burnett is sent to a rendezvous point for evacuation. He radios in when he reaches it and informs Rygert of this fact. However, when the radio contact goes down, Rygert orders his staff to, quote, find out where he is and triangulate his position, even though they know where he is. He's at the rendezvous point. There's so much wrong with the military portrayal in this movie. There's so much wrong. Now, let's erase the fact that we saw the movie. Can we? Can we erase that we've ever seen it? (laughs) Can we do that? I would love that magical power. This, This is now, hey, were you excited to see this movie? All right, this is my fault. He, he's going to keep throwing it back in my face, and I should wear the shit for forcing us to watch this shit. I'm going to drink my beer. But... I had a soft place in my heart for this movie because this was the very first movie that me and my future, or she wasn't my wife at the time, we had literally just started dating, and our first official date was to go see this movie. Clearly, I wasn't paying attention to the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because her and I both later were like, oh, yeah, that was a really good movie. I think we enjoyed each other's company way more than this movie. Because I bought it, and I remember watching it a couple times, but then when we were talking about it, I had made the mention to Joe, I probably haven't seen this movie in 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it this week, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> it is... Uh. So was this a movie I was looking forward to watching? Yes, before I watched it, because I'm like, oh, I had such a great time with my wife. She was my girlfriend then, but we had a great time. So yeah, this was a good movie. I'm a fucking moron. You you could say, actually, that on that date, you knew she was the one to marry you. 
because she sat through this with you and then went out again with you. That's true. Or we just didn't pay enough attention to the movie. Well, so after you told me your story, I was intrigued because it'd been a, it'd been a while since I've seen this, but there's been, there's a reason for that. I never liked it. (laughs) Yeah. And when you mentioned that this is a movie that was on your list of movies that we have to go over. And then you told me the story behind it. I kind of, Understood why? Because listen, I defended Cruel Intentions also because I was on a date with a really hot girl. I, it's still a good movie. I like Cruel Intentions. Excuse me. It is a piece of garbage. It is a dumpster heap of fire. Can you open your computer again so at least you're no. distracted from your sense of humor? <laughs> I can't because my computer died. Uh, but this movie, I was, I, I saw it twice. I saw it Tuesday what? for the show. Oh my god! And then, because I hated it so much, and I didn't understand why you wanted to see this movie, <laughs> I watched this piece of shit again on Thursday from your point of view to see what the magic was that brought you and the wife together on this one. And I still came out stumped. So I I hate you twice. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did after watching it have to ask my wife what did we like about this movie, and she genuinely stopped and looked at me, and she's like. <laughs> I remember liking Owen Wilson. I'm like, okay, he is actually funny in the movie. But do you remember anything else? She's like, it was a war movie, right? And I'm like, so clearly she didn't remember the movie either. So <laughs> It was barely a war movie. <laughs> it, it's, it's just, it's now gone to memory as that was our first date. We know our first date was behind enemy lines. And there's, as far as the movie, clearly there's nothing we can say about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so here we go. Here's a plot synopsis. Oh, do we really have to? Oh, we have to. Oh, you're you're doing this to punish me because I you am. watched it twice. I am. <laughs> because this you had a list of movies that I was you're like. You're going to punish our listeners? I, I, this, is, this, this is all <laughs> educational for somebody in this room right now. Uh, <laughs> no, they're not. They heard, they heard our first part where we said it was. They're like, yeah, now we're done listening. We're done. We've moved on. No, because there might be a select group of people out there that enjoy this movie and want to hear what our no, real opinion is of it. That can't be true. It's got to be. And if it is, I weep, weep. I mean, weep. I think it's a 33%. That means 33% of critics out there actually thought this was good. No, 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 no. Because we've talked about how Rotten Tomatoes works. It means 33% of people thought it became from a range from whatever six, to whatever. From 6 to 10. 6 to 10. So, so yeah. 33% gave this a passing grade. How many of them were paid for it? Well, I don't know. I know one of them wasn't Roger Ebert because he said... <laughs> yeah, I loved his quote. He gave the film one and a half stars out of four, likening it to a comedy. Quote, unquote, its hero is so reckless and its villain so incompetent that it's a showdown between a man begging to be shot and an enemy that can't hit the side of a Bosnian bar. <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. So for all of you that are fans of this movie, get ready to be unhappy. What the hell were you thinking? In the fu- what the hell were you thinking? Now, here's the better thing. <laughs> if if somebody is an actual fan of this movie, here's something I'm going to say that I never thought I would say. Michael Bay movies are better than this for how they portray the military. Well, yeah. My- Michael Bay movies actually show that's what the fucking military works and how how it looks. This what <laughs> wh- how did Gene Hackman say yes to this? How did he read that <laughs> script and say Yes, I, like he this had the role for me. He had to have paid for a car or a house. He promised somebody a house, and he needed to pay for it. That's why he said yes to this script. Matthew McConaughey was supposed to be Owen Wilson, but he declined the role. He was like, "I'm not. I'm too good for this." See, and and this is 1995 before he was Matthew McConaughey. And see, that's the other thing. I think Owen Wilson was unknown, and this did sort of propel him into the known realm. Yeah, the Wilsons were just kind of hitting their stride because they just did. Uh, 
The rocket, uh, bottle rocket. You didn't see that, did you? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, into the synopsis. In the final stages of the Bosnian War in December 1995, United States Navy Flight Officer Lieutenant Chris Burnett and Pilot Lieutenant Jeremy Stackhouse, who are stationed on the aircraft carrier USS Carl Vinson in the Adriatic Sea, are assigned a recon mission by their commanding officer, Admiral Riger. The mission goes smoothly until they spot suspicious activity in the demilitarized zone where NATO aircraft and the warring factions are prohibited from engaging in military activity. We'll stop there. Let's go over the first scene, which, you know, it, it's, you know, people putting together stuff in a forest. Yeah. Okay. We, we're setting us, we're setting us something on, set, setting up. Yeah. Then we go to the aircraft carrier and we see Top Gun light. Yep. We're all getting set because there's going to be a takeoff. Mm-hmm. There's the countdown. Go through the checklist. Is it green? It's green. We get the funny banter between the two pilots. Yeah. They're not Goose and Maverick, but... Eh. They're the, the work. They're... they're, they're Two pair to a full house. It's okay. I'm still bought in at this point. I'm still going. You know what? Okay, this could be interesting. This is they're taking it seriously. They're doing their checks. Way to go! And then they stop the launch, which is exactly the problem with the movie. They stop the launch because, well, okay, I guess we're not going out. Nope. And they get out of their plane, and now it's time to play. Let's grab a football and use our military equipment to launch evidence that you are there into the sea. Well. Anybody with a satellite can see that they're there. I actually thought that was funny. You have an issue with that scene? I have. An I issue. can totally picture. First of all, I can totally picture our servicemen doing that with a multi-million dollar piece of equipment. Here's my issue. I totally get that, Here, and I get. I'm, they can do that. I'm okay with them. Here's my issue. My issue is that they set it up as that. Okay, we're going to show how these air airline or these air, these pilots know how the laws of physics work with wind. And I'm expecting oh, see, Owen Wilson to catch the ball and be like, see, I know what I'm doing. That way, when we see the failure that happens later on, we still have confidence that he'll be able to get through it. Instead, he launches the football in the air, and it flies off into the fucking water. And you're like, okay, so he's incompetent, too. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> they... They made him like an every guy. They Why didn't did he... make him a superhero. They not... made... No, I don't have an issue with that scene. That he, was pretty funny. He gets called into Gene Hackman's office, right? Yep. Okay, now, why? Giving his letter. Oh, that he's giving his letter. He, he, of... he submitted his letter because he wants to roll out. At the end of this tour, mm-hmm. I think once you serve so long in the military, you can request to get out. And he requests, obviously, to get out. Mm-hmm. And, and then Gene Hackman, and that's my first issue, is really, is a commander going to take time out of his day on an aircraft carrier with 6,000 people to talk to one guy because he submitted his letter? Well, if... they needed to make a movie plot. Yeah. And not <laughs> only that... Owen Wilson isn't out of the military yet. He's still under command. Yep. And he's legitimately talking back to his commanding officer in a way that would not be looked upon lightly. No. And it's okay. It is. It's just, it's cow, American cowboy banter. Yes, because you know what and the general... isn't gener- that how all Americans talk? You know what this rear admiral's going to do? He's going to teach this boy a lesson, you know, because... Uh, you know, By gum, that's what our elder statesmen do. Exactly. <laughs> John Wayne Bolton. Yeah. So he sends them out on Christmas. Because everybody needs a holiday mission. Well, apparently everybody's on holiday because the only people that are actually working that day... Are those two. Are the two pilots. Everybody else is eating dinner. Nobody's listening to the comms. Wait, you flew off track? Wait, you went where? You're doing what? Yeah. These two jokers get in the air. They're supposed to fly regular recon mission. They see something in the distance that in a zone that they are not supposed to be in. And without checking at all. Or asking for permission because, you know, you have to do that in the military. You're right. They head on over there. 
and go through. You know, I will say this: the the flights, the flight on this part did look pretty cool. I like them escaping the missiles. Oh, okay. I'm like, what flight? Yeah, okay. that was a pretty cool shot. Saying. Okay. Uh, that being said, you're checking in with the carrier. We're going to check this out. Uh, that's yeah. When you were like, "Where is everybody?" I'm like, "How are people not listening to what they're saying in their headsets and being like, uh, no, you can't do that.' Exactly. Nope, you can't do that. Nope. This is an we're, order. We're, turn back around we're gonna, now. We're going to turn the plane off because we can do that. We can <laughs> shut the plane down. <laughs> God. Yeah. It, it's. I felt like I was watching Mikhail's Navy. Just, but was, not funny. Just not funny. Because they were trying to be serious. Yeah. It was sad. It was like, oh, my God, oh. this is us. This is how the world views Americans. Anyway, yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Burnett persuades Stackhouse to fly their FA-18 Hornet, which, by the way, it's not that plane. No, uh, it would course, been a singer. To get a close look at f- and photograph the target, they are unaware that they photographed mass graves and Serb soldiers see the jet. The local Bosnian Serb paramilitary commander, General Miroslav Lokar, is conducting a secret genocidal campaign against the local Bosniak population. And if you understood any of that from the plot, congratulations. No, yeah, you had to read the Wikipedia article later to know. And this, that's the sad thing is shit like that actually happened in the Bosnian War. Yes. So I at least give this film credit for trying to make that mainstream. But you didn't f-ing explain it. You had no <laughs> clue. I literally didn't know any of that until I read the Wikipedia article later. Not wanting the mass graves to be discovered, Lokar orders the jet to be shot down. <clears throat> it's at this time that the guys decide we should probably contact our carrier and let them know that we're out here. Yeah. <laughs> or I didn't know SAM missiles were tracking missiles to the point where, let's see, flares don't work. Giant ball of flame doesn't work. <laughs> Going supersonic doesn't work. These are some pretty high-tech missiles. <laughs> Shit. What does the Bosnian weapon military, go- or what do they have in their military that American technology can't overdo? Stark, in- Stark industry weapons. And now I know I sound like the <laughs> arrogant American who has better tech, but I'm sorry, we do have better tech. Yeah. Like, there's no reason an SAM missile, two SAM missiles could have done to that horn, or... It wasn't even a fucking hornet. What was it? An eagle. Wasn't it the ship an actual eagle? It wasn't a hornet. I can't remember. Anyway, an American ship would have been able to get away from those two missiles. Yeah. I mean, it did everything possible. It threw countermeasures. It dropped the gas tanks. It did whatever it could. It couldn't, it couldn't shake but these things. magically, those things still didn't work. Yes. It, it's wait for Tony Stark to go, ladies and gentlemen, the Jericho. <laughs> it does everything. Yeah, apparently. Uh, this, okay. Despite trying to outmaneuver the missiles fired at them, they're... Sh- how was I say their shit is hit? <laughs> their jet is hit, <laughs> and both men are forced to eject. And it didn't even explode like a bomb. It like threw out these weird, and then split the plane in half. I'm like, Fuck. now mind you, one ejects, the other one is still in there trying to get his seat going. Yet when they start floating down, they're right next to each other. Amazing. <laughs> it's like time stopped on that plane. <laughs> Which that actually gets me to another way the shot was cut, but that's the next scene over. We'll okay. keep going. Shortly after touching ground, a Serb patrol finds an injured Stackhouse and interrogates him. You want to go over to that scene? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, they they meet each other up on the hillside. Yes. You know the ones that Stackhouse is injured. You know, and they I do like the line of. You know, I'm really sorry. And he goes, yeah, you're better than that or whatever it was. Like, you shouldn't have gotten shot down. What's wrong with you? Yeah, that and that's believable. I could see. I could see that partnership work. Yeah. But he wouldn't have let him sit in open ground. Exactly. I'm that's like, thinking. I'm like, you're going to leave him here? You, would, you wouldn't have done that. No military person. You would have taken him to cover, not left him in a wide open field. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered if he was injured. You wouldn't have been like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to go get a, make a phone call. There's a carelessness in this movie that is overlooked 
every single chance they get it. It's just so unrealistic. Well, there's a scene where he's got a bottle of water. He finishes it, he throws it to the ground. No, they would bury that so it wouldn't be evidence that he was there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um... Shortly after touching ground, a Sir Patrol finds an injured Stackhouse and interrogates him. Stackhouse is then executed by Sasha. Yep, because how do we know his name? Well, it's in the credits. Yeah, I was going to say, we never get his character name. Yeah, Sasha. I just licked the the microphone on accident. Did it feel good on your tongue? No, it felt weird. Uh, Uh, Must have to burn your tongue first. Sasha is one of Lokar's right-hand men. And here's the thing about Sasha. Sasha just does the thing on his own, I guess. Yeah, he's apparently a badass, for which we have no storyline for why he's a badass. He's got a bitch and sniper rifle. And he's an amazing military guy, but obviously not part of the military, because he's going to wear an Adidas jacket while everybody else wears the fatigues. Yeah. So yeah. clearly, I'm too cool for you. I'm the, I'm our version of the Special Forces. Well, isn't, isn't that European chic, though, wearing a jacket Yeah, suit? I guess. Because <laughs> let's make, we've made enough bad stereotypes about the American military, let's make really bad stereotypes about <laughs> Eastern Europeans, too. You're not in the KGB unless you're wearing Umbro. Apparently. (laughs) I'm just picturing this right now. Maybe he's wearing Sambas, too. We don't know. Lottos. (laughs) Yes, the other brand. The other soccer shoe. Uh, Burnett, who was observing the Serbs' interrogation of Stackhouse from a hill, flees the area. no! Yeah, because you know what you want to do? Draw attention to yourself also. Exactly. Uh, because you left your buddy there when you could have taken the time to drag him to cover. Wanting Burnett dead as well, Lokar orders both his deputy, Colonel Bazda, and Sasha to find him. All right, so this is the scene I'm going to get at. Burnett is at the top of a hill. They show the the scene of the guns shooting up at the hill. (laughs) They're shooting vertically. I know where you're going with this. Then, (laughs) in the very next shot, literally, you see him at the top of a hill. The guns are shooting upwards. In the very next shot, he is running downhill, (laughs) and things are exploding everywhere. He is dodging bullets being shot horizontally at him. (laughs) They're bending the laws of physics. Somehow the shots (laughs) are going up over the mountain and then coming down, but they're not coming straight down on top of him. (laughs) They somehow come down, then go horizontal, and then shoot at him. Meanwhile, he is able to duck and dodge every single one oh, yeah. and miraculously gets to another hill because then in a the shot after that, he's miraculously running, running back uphill again. <laughs> Goes back over another hill, only this time we see the guns shooting downhill. And the guns are shooting downhill while he's running uphill. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck was the editor? <laughs> well, can you name another John Moore movie? No. There you go. After <laughs> like, I just saw that whole scene. I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking in 2001? Even better, this movie spawned three sequels, all went straight to video. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not the greatest person to pay attention to continuity and all that, but even I can fucking know when the guy's running downhill and the guns are shooting up. <laughs> Damn, that was a bad scene. <laughs> Not to mention, these are military guys, right? Exactly. None of them can hit, it's like watching stormtroopers they all of a sudden. They can't hit the broadside <laughs> of a Bosnian barn. After Burnett contacts Admiral Rygert for help, he orders Burnett to move to a certain location in order to be extracted. However, Rygert is for, forced to stand down after Admiral Piquet, who they make, the film makes him out to be an 
So he's the only one that says what should actually be said. The commander of NATO naval forces in the region warns him that rescuing Burnett in the demilitarized zone risks derailing the peace process. Yes, which that makes sense. In an actual real war would be completely factual. Mm -hmm. But no, we have to make him the bad guy because he's being un-American. Yeah. Jingoism. Well, he's also the only person working with the military without an American accent. Exactly. There you go. Even though he's the head of NATO. Yeah. And he's another guy that you've probably seen and in historically, movies. And historically, this isn't me being American or like overly patriotic. No, let's go there. The, Red, white, and blue, baby. No. The, <laughs> it is in the doc or whatever the fuck, the treaty or whatever, whoever, the it's document. The Cincinnati Accords? The, the, the thing that set up NATO. No, the thing that set up the North Atlantic Treaty. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. America, it will always be headquartered in Europe. No, what the fuck am I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> it, sorry, I was suddenly thinking of the United Nations, not... not Mr. History. Yeah, I got my facts. <laughs> anyway, it was always set up that NATO would be between all of the countries, but the lead general would always be an American. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for the United Nations. The United Nations is set up in Belgium, but as far as the head of the armed forces, it will always be an American. So... Why make the guy out to be an asshole? He's just as American as everybody else. Like, that's... Gah, read your history books. Yes, they, they, <laughs> they got themselves a Spanish-speaking actor to do a French character. <laughs> and then, and then, 16 years later, Mulan cast an entire Chinese act. Look at that. X? Act. X? <laughs> Well, when no, that happens in sex, but that what, was a whole other Not in Mulan. Ooh. Yeah. Although, hey. No. You don't know. Uh, when Burnett reaches the extraction point, Rygert informs him that he must move to another location, miles outside the demilitarized zone, in order to be rescued. So, <laughs> you go here. No, I'm just kidding. You, nope. got the, you got there? Okay, go over here. <laughs> yep, now you gotta go here. And then right after that, we have the scene of him and the chief petty officer going like, may I speak freely, sir? Because those are always great scenes. <laughs> as soon as you hear that phrase, sir, may I speak freely? Well, <laughs> we're gonna get a soliloquy. Yeah. Can I speak freely? <laughs> the answer is usually no. And then he goes, well, clearly, sir, you can do nothing. Oh, great. Now we have the American rah-rah. We're going to say fuck you to everything that would actually work or make sense. And we're just going to do American cowboy bullshit. Because on an aircraft carrier, passive-aggressive comments work so well. When you're worried about 5,000 other people and not just... And I don't mean to say that one American pilot lost is going to be something the American military would sneeze at. I'm not saying that. Mm -hmm. What I am saying is this movie makes it seem like that's all the Admiral would have time for. There's five to 6,000 other people on the fucking aircraft carrier. <laughs> he would be dealing with the down pilot and other shit. The Gene Hackman from Crimson Tide would have kicked this Gene Hackman's ass. Seriously, how the <laughs> fuck did he say yes to this script? Immediately after being informed, Burnett sees a Serb patrol led by Bazda looking for him. Running from them, he falls into the mass grave that he and Stackhouse had photographed and hides under a dead body. When the patrol is out of sight, he continues to run. All right, you want to hit this one? This is where he falls into the mass no, grave. I know, I know. And they check every body except the one right, right in the middle of that the would, entire group. That wouldn't be covered in anything and would still have the green <laughs> fatigues on when everything else is gray-brown. Now, what I like is the fact that they're looking at this infrared, and they're like, he's not moving, he's not moving, and they see all the little things moving around him, and okay, that's suspenseful, but it's also completely incompetent when you consider that they check every single body except for the one he's hiding under. Yep. And it's not like it was to the side. It was, it was right was smack dab in the middle. <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> suspense. We need a suspense. Yeah. It's... 
And again, this also illustrates that we don't know what the fuck is going on because we still we know there's a whole mass of dead bodies, mm-hmm. and we get the little flashback of the murder and everything. But does anybody have a fucking clue what's going on in Bosnia? Oh no! Like you still don't know what's going on in Bosnia. This was what 2001. Bosnia yes. was 1995. We're a little late to the party on this thing because <laughs> it was it was a conflict that was at that time. Hell, for Milosevic our... was in the middle of his. Uh, War crimes trial yeah. in 2001. Right. Maybe that's what I'm more pissed off about is back in 2001, we had the opportunity to tell an actual good story about what the hell happened in Bosnia. And we tell a story that talks about Bosnia, but never fucking tells you anything of what actually happened. Not and, so like do a, and do Americans still know what happened in Bosnia? Not nope. unless you read a book on it. And even then, no one's going to read a book called Bosnia. Exactly. Whereas that was a pretty fucked up situation. Yeah. Well, remember what happened at the exact same time as that. Rwanda. No, that was 98. That was 98. Yeah. Uh, The sexy story around that time, though, wasn't Bosnia or any of that. Oh, 95 would have been OJ. There you go. Wow. OJ. Sometimes I hate being a historian. Pop culture. Always, Uh, always takes a front seat. Anyway, moving on. When the patrol is out of sight, he continues to run. On his way to the new extraction point, because he's got to go somewhere else, Burnett encounters a group of Bosnian uh, guerrillas in a pickup truck who offer him a ride. (laughs) Coca-Cola. I know Puff Daddy songs. And he sings a song that's not even released in theater. Not even released yet. Yeah, they're (laughs) as a historical movie, their timeline is shit. It's awful. It's about as good as their representation of the American military. And here's the problem. If you're going to do something that's based on a moment in history, you better be consistent. At least learn about the history before you make it. Yeah. I literally feel like this guy made a movie of what he thought happened in Bosnia. Not what (laughs) actually happened. The guerrillas inform Burnett that they are heading to Hack, which is supposed to supposedly a safe haven for but turns out Hotch. Hotch. But turns out to be a war zone. During the battle, Serb troops believe that they have found Burnett's body, but Sasha realizes that Burnett had switched uniforms with a dead Serb soldier and escaped Hotch. Now, this is another scene that pissed me off, because he's walking with the uniform on. He walks past everybody else. And nobody sees that he is clearly not Eastern European. Not only that, he doesn't wait till he's out of sight. He just waits till he's just past them before he takes his hood off and reveals who he is. This is the worst soldier ever. ever. <laughs> um, the Serbs turned the situation to their advantage, presenting the corpse wearing Burnett's uniform to the media and saying he was killed by guerrillas, and not the ones in the mist. <laughs> they ra- <laughs> it would have been for a better movie. The ruse works, and the mission to re- rescue Burnett is aborted. So now he's gone to a second extraction point. And they're still not going to pick him up. still not coming. <laughs> However, Burnett notices an angel statue near where his ejection seat landed. That's not near. It was miles away. Yeah. In fact, if I saw a thing far away, I'd be like, you know what? You you all know where I'm at. You come get my ass. Yeah. Uh, Or I'm just going to marry a nice Serbian girl. Yes. One that's, you know, still alive at the end. Uh, However, Burnett, okay. He returns to his seat and activates the rescue beacon. Though, this carrier, though the carrier group notices a signal and positively identifies him, Burnett has also alerted the Serbs to his location because they used a radio signal. Now, this is a gamble, and I'm assuming that if you're in that position, you're going to take that gamble. Of course. You are. It's a survival issue. It's, I trust my military over their military to get here fastest. Yep. And if they were already en route, they would be closer. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> that being said, it's going to take a long time to get to that fucking chair. Yeah. And he's been running the whole time, and all he's running on is Coca-Cola and half a thing of water. 
Yeah, days. <laughs> Man, superhero. For making a lot of stupid mistakes, he is athletic. It, certainly. <sighs> Knowing he risks being relieved of command, Rygert prepares a task force to rescue Brunette in open defiance of Piquet's orders. So nobody gives a shit about orders, apparently. No, that's how the American military acts. Yeah. We just do whatever we want. Yeah, that's what we do. Cowboy it up, man. Cowboy <laughs> it up. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> <laughs> All you needed was a little hat, some spurs, and a, and a uh, six mach- shooter going right down between <laughs> your legs. Got you right there. Meanwhile, Bazda and Sasha are ordered by Lokar to find Burnett and kill him. But on their way, Bazda steps on a landmine, and Sasha abandons him to his fate. <laughs> so Sasha is just a dick too. Yeah. Nobody in here does what they're told except for the bad guys. Yep. <laughs> and they're inept at it. The the mine eventually explodes, alerting Burnett that someone is following him, because he didn't know. After Sasha finds the ejection seat, Burnett ambushes him, and the two men engage in hand-to-hand combat until Burnett stabs Sasha. Because he had the energy for that. Of course. Uh, immediately after Sasha is killed, Lokar arrives with armored vehicles and infantry who open fire on Burnett. But and- miss him entirely. <laughs> they have over open ground. <laughs> With a fucking frozen lake where he should have just fallen. Just shoot the ice. (laughs) And they can't hit a bar and they can't hit the ground in front of them. (laughs) After retrieving the hard drive containing the photos of the mass graves, Burnett escapes with the task force. The conclusion reveals that the footage Burnett retrieved leads to the arrest and conviction of Lokar for war crimes, including genocide, while Rygert's actions have result in him being relieved of command and his eventual retirement. Burnett continues his career in the Navy. Now, thank you, Milosevic. Somewhat storyline connection. We'll take, keep in mind here that Gene Hackman changed clothes. He got into George W. Bush aircraft carrier gear. Yeah. And remember to put that little note, his little resignation note in his pocket on the way. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. Uh, these are, it turns these are... out we, when we try to teach our youngins something, we really do care. Oh, yeah. It's uh, It was a fatherly moment. It really is. You know what it was? It was it Cuddly, was, warm. It was, it was a load of steamy bullshit is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> steamy, stinky bullshit. Okay. Now, again, Roger Ebert gave this one one and a half stars, and I think he was generous. I think he was generous, too. So, generous. Gen- generous? Gen- generous? That's what I said. He said generous. Whatever. <laughs> generous would be like Caitlyn Jennerish. Jennifer Lawrence? Uh, she's not generous. Is she German? <laughs> so, I won't ask you what you thought after you saw this movie the first time. What do you uh, think about it now? Why? <laughs> like we have we have a pretty awesome military. Yeah, and yeah. I and I don't want to go like too patriotic, but I think I'm more pissed after watching this movie because I've seen movies do a really good job of showing our military and I had a memory of happiness for this movie and now watching it this week, mm-hmm. I'm just pissed simply because <laughs> it makes our military look like shit. Yeah. Like if other countries watch this movie and think this is how our military operates, no wonder they hate us. <laughs> Because it makes us look like we don't give a fucking shit about rules or ethics or peace or anything. We're just a bunch of cowboys doing whatever the fuck we want. And that is not what the American military is. And so I'm more pissed off because this just does a shitty job of showing what was a really horrible situation. There was genocide. There mm-hmm. were mass killings in Bosnia and Herzegovina. 
And there really was an instance where America had to sort of throw their muscle at the situation to save civilians. Yeah. That is a story we could have told. It would that be a is, great one. That is a lesson that would have made our military look really badass and awesome, but while also making us not look like we're cowboys who need to only care about ourselves. That the- I'm I'm pissed because this was a movie that could have told a great story and instead it didn't know what the fuck story it was trying to tell. I feel like it started off trying to make a Top Gun and gone it did, wrong. It did not. And work, then they yeah. tried to do the no man left behind angle. Yeah. Which again, that's a pretty tough sell. In two, in 1995, yes. Saving Private Ryan, you can understand. It's 1942. Yes. Okay? A little bit different. This is 1995. We ain't fucking around anymore, especially in a yeah. demilitarized zone where there's probably a militia there that we figured out. Yeah. Okay, so what did I think? Now, I, as I was writing my comments, I was writing them in the, in the most political way possible because, because I thought you, thought you I was going to love be, this. You thought I was going to come in defending it. So what I wrote was, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Too many times I shook my head wondering if this movie knew what it wanted to be. No, it didn't. Knowing that you don't like this, I can go full bore now. No, yeah, you can go... At it. Okay. Uh, this is a piece of shit. Uh, and I'm, I'm not angry at you for making me watch this twice. I, I made that choice myself. Uh, and I understand why you chose this movie because it does make sense why you chose it. It's a, it's a moment it was, in your history it, it was that was nost- important to you. It was a nostalgia moment, not a clear thinking head moment. Um, and listen, there are very, very, very few redeeming qualities of this movie. Uh, Owen Wilson at times is one of them. It's not an F. Uh, I I think it's a D minus. Okay. Well, we'll get to the grades in a second. Yeah. Uh, Things that worked well. I say the desperation of Owen Wilson worked. When he was in the most desperate moments, his acting was worthy of him having a continued career. He did good 80% of the time. Yeah, I'd agree. The other... Times it was like it, it, you weren't sure if he really knew what the stakes were against him because maybe they were shot out of sequence and they're like, okay, now uh, you're in the back of a truck and he's going to give you a Coca Cola. You just chill out, you know, don't worry too much about anything else. When he should have been freaking out at that point, he's got a teenager in front of him with a gun. Yeah, and he doesn't know at this point, he's not getting any help. Yeah, he is by himself. He doesn't know where he's going. Nope. He could be driving him right to the bad and guys. And he can't speak the language. And he can't speak the he language. He can't speak the language. Yeah. So that was the thing that that was the one thing I think worked well. That and I did like the piloting si- uh, scene with the missiles in the in the plane. I thought that was cool. What worked for me was Owen Wilson. Okay. And you actually made a comment that actually moves my. I like his how he played the actor the whole time, and it's because I think they fucked up the editing. I think he did exactly what he was told. I think the direction he, was awful. And he acted that way. But I but I don't fault Owen Wilson. I think Owen Wilson actually is pretty good. He is funny. Because when I do think, and maybe this is Top Gun speaking, when I think of American fighter pilots, I think the cocky bullshit, but whenever the shit hits the fan, they're going to be serious and they're going to make it work and they're going to fix it. Yeah. And that's how he played it. The other thing that worked, I liked the scene with the football. I thought that was flipping great. Um, and... Do you think movies have changed the way that we look at military in the way that when we think of pilots, we think of your top guns? When I don't know, I don't know anybody that's a, a fighter pilot out there. I don't know if that's how they are all the time. But for some reason, that movie 
has changed the way that the Americans have viewed it fighter in pilots yeah. in movies. And I'm wondering if that's what it's really like. I have no idea because I've never seen a documentary. Yeah. Um, what didn't work for me? What didn't work for you? Gene Hackman. I'm, Which is I'm, hard to say. I'm sorry. He's a great actor, but what the f- Man. I put I almost put in there Gene Hackman phoned it in. I was like, he's gonna get mad at me about this. I'm not gonna No, he in. did phone it in. <laughs> Gene Hackman phoned it in. Everybody else in the military. Sorry, I did have one other what worked for me. Oh. The guy that played PK. He was the only yeah. head military guy that I respected. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that is what should be being said. But this film is trying to make him the bad guy, and that pisses me off. Decisions are based because on logic, P- not on emotion. Because PK is the only one that is actually saying shit that makes sense. Yeah. So he was good, and Owen Wilson was good. Everything else in the movie was shit. Agreed. I say that things... So that, that bumps it up to a D. Okay. My so things that didn't work, military protocols. Uh, talking back to superior officers with no worry of repercussion, pilots doing what they want instead of the mission with nobody monitoring them from the carrier, the army coming upon the mass grave of bodies knowing that Burnett didn't just disappear into thin air and not checking to see if he's there other than the three minutes that they spend there, and stabbing every corpse except the one he's under, which is right in the middle of their fucking search. And everybody's shooting like a stormtrooper. And I stopped there because I didn't want to be too nitpicky, in your words. Everybody's shooting like a stormtrooper. <laughs> So this, now I this know. was the realistic stormtrooper battle. I now know, Ugh. as someone doing these kind of, these reviews with you, I'm no longer going to hold back in what I have to say. No, you don't need to, because this was just horrible. <laughs> okay, who's the audience for this movie? Nobody. <laughs> don't go see this movie. And I'm being so serious. Yeah. Don't go see this movie. <laughs> as much as Owen Wilson is funny in it, don't go see it, because it gives you the worst, absolute worst impression of our military. And that bugs me. <laughs> I wish. That, that's my that's my patriotism coming out. Don't see this movie because I don't want you to have a bad impression of our military. And this movie, in my opinion, says "fuck you" to the military, and that pisses me off. I wish the you from last week <laughs> could hear you now, because uh, when you left my house last week, and we said next week is behind enemy lines, I'm gonna tear this apart, and you're like, you can try. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. yeah, you were. You had this big smile on your face, like it's a great movie, and now you can't. That was me totally speaking. From I know, like ten years ago, <laughs> that was not like, me speaking. I need to a someone that had here actually to see seen some of this. <laughs> oh God. Okay, now for me, the audience of this movie is a very, very. I no, had, nobody. I had to think about this, and I, I gave it a lot of thought, and I said, "That's y- your fault. <laughs> you gave it more thought, thought, than, thought than it deserved." Young adults who haven't haven't watched enough war movies at all. And see, that scares me because if they're young adults that haven't seen many war movies, this isn't one they should see because it'll give them a bad impression. It's a good starter. When I say starter, I mean like like Barney's a starter for television. Okay. <laughs> for- <laughs> That's a horrible argument. Well, okay. <laughs> we have today Supergirl on TV. Yes. You had Smallville, which was a step back from Supergirl, but still pretty good. Oh, I like Smallville. I do, too. I don't know if it's a step back. I no, think no, no, they're no. equally great. I'm, have you seen Supergirl? Yes. It's amazing. It, I, I thought Smallville was amazing. That's why I said they're equally great. That said, you had to watch Lois and Clark to know Smallville was going to be really good. Yeah, Lois and Clark is a piece of shit. I've this never, is the Lois and Clark of war movies. I'll believe you, because, but I've never seen Lois and Clark. With Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher? I mean, I know it's a thing. I've just never seen it. This is bad. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, okay, now we get to our movie report card. And D. Now, just so you know, all everybody out there, I had him pegged for an A minus on this one. The You're giving this a D. D, maybe a D minus, but PK and Owen Wilson have to bring it up a little bit. 
And I did not think this was going to happen. I'm giving this a D plus. I'm giving it a better grade than you. How? That's what I want to know, JC. How did you not remember some of this shit from 15 fucking years ago that you... I I thought I was going to be the bad guy today. Because my wife is amazing. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> I this, thought I was going to be the bad guy. This proves how awesome my wife is because I only had happy memories and clearly they were all about her and not about this actual movie. <laughs> I was expecting, So it proves how great my wife is. I was expecting <laughs> almost another Civil War podcast with this movie. Sorry. I, and I've been talking about it for the last three, four weeks. We're going to be behind Amy and I. It's coming up. Oh, boy. You still didn't answer my question. How the is this a D plus? Okay. It's a D plus because I do. It doesn't fail 100% of the time. Yeah. Two points. PK, Owen Wilson. It is. Here's the thing Owen Wilson is watchable. Yes. And if your main character is watchable, it redeems most of the movie because that's the one you got to follow. It is who you follow most of the movie. Okay. I think I get where you're going. That being said, his interaction with people around him show the ineptitude of the director. And they have to do with the actors around him to take that direction. And, or perhaps that was the direction they were given. I can't put all I, of this. No, I throw this at the director. I can't, because these are good actors. I can't put it on Gene Hackman because he, he's rarely failed in movies. This I was clearly, it, he had a bill to pay. Yeah. He had something he had to pay for. But for this being one of Owen Wilson's first movies, and to carry it, this movie, he, did he a good does job. a good job. I concede that, yes. And so, again, it, listen, if maybe 30 years from now when they give Owen Wilson an honorarium at the Oscars... <laughs> They'll be like, yeah, they'll like, watch this movie. Remember Behind Enemy Lines, and they'll show him, like, you know, in the back of a truck while the other guy's rapping to him in the montage. Yeah. Like, okay, drinking a Coca-Cola. And you'd be like, okay, that's what it is right there. Yeah, that does sum up the movie. But when you think of one of the more memorable scenes of this movie, it's the football scene. Yes, I would agree. It's the, it's the scene that stands out from the rest of the movie because it's not in tone with the rest of it. And I would have liked to have seen more of that evolve eventually to the desperation rather than just go straight from that to, okay, now we're in, now we're in the shit. Now we put you in, in this problem. So I'm giving it a D plus only because it's, not, it's definitely not average. It's not a C minus because Gene Hackman phones it in. <laughs> but I can watch Owen Wilson in this movie for the time that's given. If this movie was more than two hours long, I'd give it an F. But the story that it, tri- that it told, just the, the no man left behind story, if you don't know how military works to the point that you, know, you and I know, you can buy it. You're not going to like it for its historical significance because there is no historical significance in this movie. At all. Uh, they took too many liberties, but at the same time, if you don't know the history, you can go, you okay. You may be intrigued by it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can deal with it. So it's a D plus. D minus, you said? D. So it's a D. Oh, wait, two. Yeah, so it'd be F, D minus. So yeah, mine's a D. You're a D? Well, there's only two things I like, Owen Wilson and PK. So that would be F, Owen Wilson knocks it up to a D. Yeah, it would be D. Okay, so, so we're saying D plus D. D. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think it's a pretty damn good place for this movie. Yeah. Uh, that being said, can you think of a war movie worse than this? Tropic of Thunder. You can't. Tropic Thunder is a comedy. You said war movie. But it's a comedy. It's a, it's a brilliant comedy. It satirizes Hollywood so well. I've never actually seen it. Are you, you know, shut up. <laughs> no, All right. No, really? A war movie that's, that's as bad as this one. No, worse. An F. A full F war movie. I can't think I of, can't think of one I either. can't think of one unless it went straight to video. Yeah, I was going to say, unless it's one I haven't seen. Yeah. Under Siege? And, 
No. <laughs> Although, hold on, I may be looking at that with nostalgia glasses, so maybe under siege. <laughs> I but Tom, saw- but Tommy Lee Jones was funny in that movie. I just saw it the and other day. And there was the girl in the cake, uh, Erica Eleniak. Sure. Yeah, she was former Playboy playmate. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she was well done. <laughs> by a doctor somewhere in LA. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, maybe under siege, but no. Like when I think war movies, I think Saving Private Ryan. I think Heartbreak Ridge. I think Tora Tora Tora. And you think of the good ones? Yeah. No one ever thinks of the bad ones. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod, and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>